give you the glory that you are so worthy and so deserving of. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we honor and praise your holy name this morning. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for how good you've been. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Lord, speak to us today through your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Teach us your ways that we might walk deeper and firmer in your truth. And all God's people said, let's give Jesus a hand clap. He's worthy. He's wonderful. He's great. How great is the Lord. How great is our God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see everybody out this morning. God bless you. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And everyone else, if you would turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As we continue, actually finishing up our series from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're down to our final two messages. I'm going to call these closing statements for a strong finish. Paul wanted this young church to finish strong, and God wants us to finish strong. Amen? 1 Thessalonians, 5th chapter. Start, if you would, with verse 16. And Paul says, be joyful always. Amen. Rejoice always. Be joyful always, the Bible says. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some people, I want to know the will of God for my life. Well, we just gave you three things. Amen. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not giving them thanks for everything that happens, but in the midst of it all, Jesus is still worthy. Amen? His promises are still true, and I can give them thanks even in the midst of, of hell's attacks. Hallelujah. Verse 19, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out that Spirit's fire. Anything in your life, grieve in the Spirit, get rid of it. Amen? Let that thing burn bright for Jesus. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. We're a full gospel people. Amen? We want to hear what the Lord is speaking. So we're not going to treat prophecies with contempt, but on the other hand, we're not going to be gullible either. Because the next verse says, test everything. We're going to test it by the word and the witness. We're going to test it by the written word of God and the witness that we have within our own spirits. Isn't that right? Test everything. Hold on to the good. Now, once we determine something's of God, then go after it. Once we determine this is the Bible, it's for today, no excuses. God wants you to pursue it and embrace it and to enjoy his blessing. Avoid. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Even that appearance of that thing. Avoid it. Live holy. Live right if you call yourself a Christian. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finishing strong. And I love this last one, this promise. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. 
Woo. If no one else is faithful, the one that called you in the beginning of this race, he is faithful, and he's going to finish the work he began. Amen. Oh, yeah. People might fail you. People might disappoint you. But he who began a good work in you, he's going to finish that work. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is closing statements for a strong finish. Paul wants this young church to finish strong like God wants us to finish strong. And as we, we complete this series from 1 Thessalonians, and Paul's giving these keys to a strong finish, we see in these nine verses eight commands, one prayer, and one powerful promise. And we have to remember now, this was a young church spiritually. We've been studying this. It was young spiritually. It was birthed in a, on a, um, a storm of persecution. I mean, just when the church got started, hell attacked it. I mean, the apostles had to flee for their lives. The pastors left these young believers with maybe only a couple of months' worth of teachings, and most would think, who could stand under that? They did, amen? I love it. Yet God, by God's power to keep his people, they stood the test and weathered the storm. It's a beautiful thing. When you really got it, you keep it, and you say amen. And Paul was able to begin this letter, if you remember way back when we began, rejoicing over the obvious fruit and evidence that these men and women were really the chosen in the call of God. They were true believers. There was fruit in their lives. You know, when someone truly gets saved, there's a difference, there's a change. When someone is truly a follower of Christ, it's easy to see. You don't have to wonder about it. Amen. <laughs> by the fruit, by the fruit. And Paul writes that in the very beginning. He rejoiced that they were the chosen of God, but he saw things in their life that witnessed to the fact they had been born from above. Their commitment to Jesus had been genuine and real, not just an emotional thing. And now because of their spiritual age, because they were young, the church was young, they were new converts, just young disciples, Paul spends most of this letter, as we've learned, his words, supplying what is lacking in their faith. He was just feeding them, pouring into them, building them up, teaching them the things of God, equipping them. He covered many what we would call elementary topics. I mean, the second coming and um, instructions for holy living. We looked at that. The explanation of the reality of trials in our lives and how to face them, meet them and greet them and defeat them. And um, he urged them to love one another. He taught them to respect the authority and their leaders in the church. Encouraged them to keep a good testimony with those outside the church. And now he brings this letter to a close, and we'll just cover the first three commands this morning, and next week we'll hit the rest. But let's remember, these are some things that Paul considers of great importance in order to finish strong. Remember, it's not how a person starts, but it's how a person finishes that really matters. Can you say Amen. And listen, Fred, God wants you to be a finisher. God wants you to be a finisher. I mean, they had a victorious beginning, but now they needed to finish and finish strong. And I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice would make that their goal, that you would live your life all out for Jesus and you would be determined to finish strong. You'll finish this race of faith in a strong way. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to be a finisher. You know, friends, some of you, maybe you had a rough start and you're just getting in on this thing. Well, you can finish strong. You might say, I just got in. I didn't get saved till later in life. That's all right. For the rest of your days, give Jesus your best and finish strong. Can you say amen? 
Others, you might be here and you know Christ since you were a child, but somewhere along the line, you got a little lackadaisical in your Christian experience. You, you got a little bit um, wavering in your full commitment to Christ. But good news, good news. You can make a fresh altar this morning. You can make a new commitment this morning. And you can finish your day serving God with all your might and with all your strength. Somebody say amen to that. God calls us to be a finisher. And I encourage you that no matter who bails out or who takes off or who falls out or who turns back, you make up your mind. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and me, we're going to go forward in the Lord. We're going on with Jesus. Can you make that your testimony? Paul gives us some keys on how we can do that. He starts out with verse 16. He says, be joyful always. Keep an attitude of joy. Keep an attitude that's positive in the Lord. Rejoice always. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we keep our joy in Jesus, it helps us to face the negative things of life. It helps us to continue staying strong when hell throws the kitchen sink at us. It's a key. Rejoice means to express joy. And for the believer, and we studied this some months ago in our midweek as we went through the fruit of the Spirit. But joy is really an inward peace and gladness not controlled by outward circumstances. You see, so often the word we use, happiness, depends on happenings. I'm happy when my happenings are in agreement with what makes me happy. Amen? But joy is much deeper than that. The Christian joy is something inner and deeper. It's something produced by God's Spirit, sustained by God's Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. One of the things the Holy Spirit produces in us when we're born again is joy. It's joy. Outwardly, there might be battles. Outwardly, there might be some chaos. But inwardly, there's a peace and there's a gladness and there's a steadiness that is produced and sustained by the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Oh, yeah. Again, this joy is based on what God has done, and it's given to us in Christ. Jesus said in John 15, that my joy might be in you. I say these things that my joy, Jesus said, his joy would be in our hearts, that our joy might be full. It's a beautiful thing. The joy that we possess is a product of salvation. It's an abiding joy. It's an eternal joy. And it's a joy that we want to express as we love God and serve God. Now, Christians are called to express joy, rejoice, regardless, regardless of the external. But you know, we do live in a world where the spirit of this age will sometimes try to weigh us down will sometimes try to exhaust us and harass us and agitate us and frustrate us. We live in a fallen world and the spirit of this age tries to quench that which is of God. But Paul writes to us about this sometimes paradox. It's something every believer goes through. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Yeah, we go through battles, but yet what we have in Christ isn't touched by that. What I have in Christ keeps me firm and steady and staying as I walk through that. Oh, Philippians 4 and 4. Paul writes this from prison, and I want us to see this one, because it gives us a key about the joy we're talking about this morning. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. He says, he Paul's in prison, Amen. If I was in prison, I might not feel like rejoicing. Amen. But he says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, always. 
And in case you didn't hear me the first time, I'll say it again. Rejoice. But the key here, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I might not be able to rejoice in this that happened to me or that report that came to me, but I can always rejoice in Jesus, and that's the key to the believer's joy. Regardless of what we face on the outside, I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. I've got the Spirit of Christ within me. I have a joy because of what I know. I have a joy because of what I possess. I know this world's not my home. I'm passing through, and God God's going to walk with me. God's going to talk with me. God's going to help me face every trial that comes my way. I know what I know and I know what I possess. The Spirit of God is within me and that's an enabling spirit. That's an enduring spirit. So regardless of what I am facing, I know that I know that I know He who began that work, He's going to finish it. The key is in the Lord. Can't always rejoice about the job. Sometimes it's not the best. Can't always rejoice in that car. It might be new now. Give it a few years. Amen. But I can always rejoice in Jesus. I can rejoice in what I have. His promises. His power. His provisions. His presence. That never changes. And that never wavers. Can you say amen? Yeah. You see, this is an important fabric for the overcomer. In Paul's writing, end of the letter. Emphasizing, don't forget these things. You, you weathered that storm, but now you got to live for God the next 50 years. And if you're going to live like an overcomer, here's the key. Set, keep your joy. Don't lose your joy. We're not talking a happiness of the world. Then you're the roller coaster. Because sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Amen? Sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. Life is like that. But Jesus is steady. His spirit gives us a steadiness. The ability to be strengthened, to be blessed, to be steadied by the eternal realities and rewards and riches we have in Christ. Paul is saying, regardless of your circumstances, because your circumstances won't always be easy. Sometimes there's mountaintops and other times there's valleys. Sometimes you can't contain yourself. God's blessing you so much. Other times saying, Lord, where'd you go? Amen. I mean, but what we know, we know. Paul says, number one, make the choice to rejoice. Life will come up, down, sideways, but Christ is consistent. Your salvation is sure and secure. The Christian should be an optimist, not an emotional roller coaster. Our lives should express the hope and certainty we have in Christ. We can rejoice because we know our salvation is secure and our lives are kept by the power of God. We can rejoice because we know regardless of our circumstances, God is in control and God will bring us through. And in the end, God will work all things together for our good. Can you say amen to that? You see, and even when I face the hardest of times, you and I can look beyond the present trial and we can look to our certain eternal and everlasting realities and riches that await us in Jesus Christ. Again, the source of the Christian's joy, it comes from what he knows and what he has. It's salvation produced. It's Holy Spirit sustained. It comes from an understanding and it comes from an indwelling. It comes from what he knows, what we know about God, what we know about his salvation in eternity. 
It comes by what I know about God and his character. That the God I serve is a good heavenly father. He's a faithful friend. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a counselor. And he's a guide. I know in whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able. Not talking about a God we don't know. Not talking about a mystery, a philosophy. We're talking about the personal relationship we have with the true and living God through Jesus Christ. And we know this God. And he's good. Can you say amen? And he's faithful. And he's enduring. And he's loving. And he's kind. And he forgives me when I miss it. And he lifts me when I fall. And he stands by me when others run away. He brings me through every trial, even the trials that want to wear me down. He gives me strength to rise on up and soar. Because we know in whom we have believed in. And we know his eternal plan and his purposes for our lives. For his will for us is good and not evil. And his plan is settled and secure. We thank him for all that he's done in Christ and what he shall do in the Lord. My past is forgiven my future is secure. How many of y'all, you read the end of the book? We win. Come on, we win, we win, we win. Oh, yeah, I got joy because of what I know. I got joy because of what I possess. And in the present hour, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is shepherding my life. I shall not want. What we possess in Christ, the indwelling of God's spirit, the eternal life, the abundant life, all the blessings and benefits, that come to us through Jesus Christ. The privilege of prayer. The peace that passes all understanding. Those precious promises that we can stand on for any need, for any occasion. The comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. The counseling wisdom that God gives us when we have to face sometimes these hard decisions in life. But yet we know we don't have to make them in our own wits. We don't have to make them in our own ability. There's a God that says, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you. There's a heavenly shepherd that says, I'll lead you in the righteous path. Oh, how blessed we are to be sons and daughters of God. And joy is a big part of this walk with Jesus. In fact, Paul wrote about the kingdom of God. You know, when you're born again, you enter that kingdom. That's not something we're going to enter one day. It's something we've entered already spiritually. We've been born again. And Paul writes about the fruit or the substance of this kingdom. It's not the earthly things. It's not in the bigger cars and the bigger houses. It's not meat or drink. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's deeper things. It's richer things. It's righteousness. It's the right standing with the living God. It's knowing your sins are gone and there's no more condemnation for the past. Isn't that wonderful? Right and peace, a peace with God and the peace of God. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that gives us an inner strength and everything around us. You know, sometimes I think of God's peace and I think of those crazy pilots that when there's a hurricane going on, they fly into the eye of that hurricane. Amen? Oh, wow, can you imagine that? And they fly through all that stuff, but then they get right in the middle of it and it's calm. It's calm. And I was thinking of the peace of God. Everything around us can be going hurricane. You know what I mean? But when Jesus fills us afresh, we have a peace in the midst of it all. None to make sense to the world, does it? Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. A gladness because of what I know and what I possess. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 16, literally, at all times rejoicing. Again, for the Christian, our joy comes not from without, 
but from within. A deep-seated confidence we have in God's sovereign love and care for us, his mighty power on our behalf. That great care and that great plan that God has for each one of us that he purchased for his very own. And again, it's with this attitude, Paul says, that will shield our hearts. It's with this attitude that will fuel our faith. Amen? Because the opposite of joy is sad and you're depressed and you're discouraged. And that makes people want to give up. That makes people want to compromise. That makes people want to backslide. But when you keep your joy, again, not a joy of the natural happenings, but sometimes they're pretty good and sometimes they're, they're, they're troublesome. But this, what I have in Jesus, that I know no matter what I go through, the Lord loves me, the Lord's taking care of me, and God's going to bring me through. Can you say amen? And then he hasn't left me with just a philosophy. He's empowered me by his spirit to walk this life, to believe him, to be steady when the pressure comes, to be strong when the battle rages. And that's something he promises to every one of us that loves him and serves him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be joyful or rejoice always. A key to finding a strong, proper attitude. It's so important. And Paul acknowledges this young church, they had suffered with joy. And now he lays down a challenge to them and to us. Make a joyful outlook. Make a joyful attitude a constant in your life. Let it be an always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Again, it's not that you and I won't battle. We do. We're battling right now. We'll weep. We'll weep our tears as part of the human condition. We'll endure sorrows as long as we're on this side of that great river. But let us not be slaves to our circumstances. But let's learn to rejoice or find joy in the Lord always. Number one, Paul says, young church, if you're going to finish strong, if you're going to make it the rest of the way as an overcomer, not just someone dragging through, keep your spirit of joy. Remember what you have and remember what you know. Secondly, he goes on to the second key, verse 17. Then he says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. Pray regularly, pray, pray persistently. Again, another wonderful key that you have to learn, especially if you're younger or if you've misplaced this good godly habit, resurrect it if you're older. A key to real spiritual power and endurance to understanding is prayer. To faithfully draw near to God, to practice drawing near to his presence, pouring out your heart and receiving fresh grace. That whole thing of pouring out the burden, receiving grace, drawing near, calling on the Lord, asking God, believing God, tapping into heaven. It's one of the most important things we can do. David Jeremiah writes, prayer is the believer's declaration of dependence, not independence. Everybody likes to be independent. Well, you're not going to get too far in this Christian experience being independent. We got to be dependent on the Lord. Amen. If you want to, you better get dependent on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, your own wits, your own abilities, your own ability to grit it through. No, 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 no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on all these other things that are frail and fragile and they might not always work, but in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Call on Him. Recognize Him. Draw near to Him. Bring your burden to the Lord. He will sustain thee. 
And he shall. He shall. He shall. Somebody, he shall. No, no, no. He shall direct your paths, order your steps, meet your needs, and bring you through. Somebody say amen. Prayer without ceasing. Paul saying his young church, you know, about years and years, 100 years ago, it seems, when I was in college, one of my ministries, I always had a different ministry, used to go to Teen Challenge in Rochester, New York. What a, what a cool time. I was only 17 or 18, and those guys were on fire for Jesus, coming off their drugs and their alcohol and all that stuff. And um, they, they had, they had a, a saying there at the Rochester Teen Challenge, if you don't pray, you won't stay. <laughs> I, I've seen that to be true in a lot of lives, Amen. You don't, you don't have to be coming out of drugs and alcohol for that one. But the fact remains, if you don't pray, you won't stay. If a believer is going to finish strong, overcoming and prevailing over the tests and the trials and the attacks that we all face, we all face, we all face, then we must be men and women of prayer. Tap into that divine source of refreshing and reviving and strength and wisdom and sensitivity. There's no substitute for drawing near to God. You know, Jesus taught in Luke 18, verse 1, he said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint or give up. Jesus taught that. You know, Paul taught in Ephesians 6, right in connection when he speaks of spiritual warfare. He speaks of putting on the armor of God. And then he writes in Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always, praying always. It's not enough just to have the armor of God on. It's not enough just to know there's a spiritual battle out there. You've got to pray, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You know, Jesus, he didn't just teach prayer. He modeled a lifestyle of prayer. If you study the life of Jesus, he didn't just teach the importance of prayer. He modeled it for us. His life was an example of the priority and the importance of personal prayer. And a personal, if Jesus, the great Son of God, the sinless Son of God, had to pray, how much more do I need to pray? How much more do I need to get with the Father and ask Him to help me and ask Him to strengthen me and ask Him to give me wisdom for each and every day? You know, the Bible teaches devotion and commitment to formal prayer, what we would call formal prayer. The early church was devoted and continued in formal prayer. And that needs to be developed. Formal prayer needs to be practiced in every believer's life. It's a key. Like I joke on Wednesday nights when we do more teaching, you, you, you learn somewhere along the line, I hope to brush your teeth. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Well, all that is is a hygiene habit. Amen. It's a healthy habit of hygiene. You didn't come out of the womb doing that. Mama had to train you. Mama had to get on you. And some of them, it seemed like, Lord, were they ever going to learn? Are they ever going to stop watching, checking their teeth? Amen. But finally they learned. Prayer is just a habit. It's a spiritual habit for spiritual hygiene. It doesn't come natural, but if you give yourself and see the importance of it and you develop it, it'll be something, it'll become as natural as walk, waking up, brushing your teeth. Wake up and seek the Lord. Wake up and acknowledge God. Wake up and draw near and just spend some time. Father, I recognize you. I thank you for this day. Give me fresh grace to live it in a way that pleases you. Give me wisdom for my decisions, strength for my battles. Father, help me to please you and be good with it. In Jesus' name. And become the habit. It's a good habit. Formal prayer. And that needs to be developed and practiced in every believer's life. There cannot be a genuine spiritual maturity and growth without spending daily time with God in formal prayer. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Can't do it. 
And we'll get back to this in a minute. Because Paul is really, there's two prongs to this short little verse. But this first verse goes beyond just formal prayer. And it speaks about communicating to us, communicates to us the thought that a Christian should have a continual and constant God awareness. Pray continually. He speaks about praying and living a life with a God awareness, with a God consciousness, and with a God communion. He speaks about, not that you can, no one can be praying all the time, but it's the moment by moment recognition and response to the presence of God. Pray without ceasing. You be in the store, but we, we recognize the presence of God. We commune. Amen? You be in the yard, doing your yard stuff, talking to the Lord. Amen? Amen? God can speak to you. I mean, he speaks to us through different things and at different times. But we, we, we pray our, 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 our communion, our God awareness, our God consciousness, our God communion. Don't compartmentalize your life and leave God in the temple. Some that were raised religious would come and do their religious duty, and as soon as they left the parking lot, that was it for a week. But that's not real Christianity, is it? (laughs) Real Christianity is a living relationship with the Lord Jesus 24-7, and prayer becomes as natural as breathing. Oh, yeah. Don't just get in the habit of calling on him when it's a 911 or, you know, like we treat our AAA card. Amen. Do I still got that crazy thing you don't think about it until you get a flat? Hey, hey, hey. No, no, don't treat prayer like that. Prayer is something so much more. It's walking with God and communing with God. Amen. It's in the cars, in the job. It's when I wake up in the morning. Good morning, Lord. We go to bed at night. Good night, Lord. And throughout the day, I might be doing this or that, but there's an awareness of the presence of the living God. We commune and we talk and he talks to me. So Paul, there's kind of two throngs here. There's that pray always walk with God. Talk with God. Commune with God. But also, he says... Pray continually. Pray without ceasing, some translations will tell us. So learn to walk in fellowship and communicate with the Lord throughout the day. Thinking on the Lord. Talking to Him and listening. Honoring the Lord. Acknowledging His presence. But now back to formal prayer without ceasing. He's also in this verse stressing the importance of persevering and persisting when you do pray for specific things until the answer comes. Paul says, listen, this is a spiritual battle. Young church, it won't be won without spiritual war and spiritual weapons. One of the most important things you have is the privilege and power of prayer. But if you have to learn how prayer works, and that's why we can study and see how prayer works, see the things the Bible teaches us of how to pray effectively. And one of the big things about praying effectively, yes, there's faith, yes, there's praying the Word, but a big thing you see is the ability to persevere when you pray and continue to press on believing until an answer comes. He's stressing here the importance of persistence and persevering effort when we pray. That's what will bring about breakthroughs, blessings, Answers, spiritual victories. Again, a key to overcoming spiritual resistance and opposition. And there's much in it. 
You know, the enemy doesn't want you blessed. He doesn't want your family getting back on its feet. He doesn't want you breaking that hold of debt. He doesn't want you pressing into divine health. He doesn't want you receiving that promise that God spoke to your heart. And he'll do everything he can to trip you up, to um, to, uh, ignore it. He'll get you to get frustrated and give up on it. But persevering prayer is a determined prayer and a relentless prayer that I know this is God's will. The Bible is clear about it. Therefore, I will pray until that answer comes. You see, when Jesus taught on prayer, he stressed the need to continue to pray until. He didn't talk about just saying prayers. He said, pray. And when you pray, you pray until. You pray until that breakthrough comes. You pray until that backslider is restored. You pray until that bondage is broken. And it will break. It will break. There is nothing mightier than the power of the Spirit of the living God. That bondage can break regardless of what it is. Nothing is stronger than the power of Jesus Christ. But you pray until. You pray until that battle is won. You pray until that revelation comes. You've been looking for an answer. God wants to give it. Hell's trying to hinder it. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. And God's going to show you things you never thought you'd see. God will reveal to you things you've been wondering about. You've been befuddled over. And you're trying to get wisdom. You're straining. Why can't I figure this out? Because hell is trying to keep you confused and befuddled. But God says pray and keep on praying. Seek me until you find me. Oh, there's spiritual opposition to your life and to my life. And God's not going to give us a a pass because we're pathetic. God's going to say honor my word and make up your mind to pray and pray and pray until until oh one of my mentors used to always ask the audience how bad do you want this thing pray until the bitter waters become sweet pray until the blessing becomes yours I love that Old Testament story of the patriarch Jacob. Genesis 32, if you haven't read it, it's a good time to read that in your devotional time. He had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. Angel said, let me go. He says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. Woo, hallelujah. You can break me. You can deal with me. You can insult me. God, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't stop coming until I see him in church. I won't stop believing until I'm well and walking like I couldn't walk before. I won't stop until you bless me. The perseverance of prayer. You know, one of the great professors in the Christian circles for years and years was Dr. Howard Hendricks. And some years ago in seminary, he said to his, through tears, he said to one of his classes, gentlemen, I just want to tell you that my 75-year-old father just accepted Jesus this week. He says, that might not be real meaningful to you, Unless I tell you that for every day for 40 years, I prayed for his salvation. From the time he was a little boy, every day, every day. I'm glad you didn't quit on 39, amen? I'm glad you didn't give up on 38. Can you say amen? There's a persistent faith. Persistent faith. What does Jesus say about persistent faith? Matthew 7, and verses 7, and he says, ask. Talking about prayer, you want something in prayer? God just not going to... See, the things of God, you've got to get this straight. We've raised up a lazy generation. The things of God won't just fall on you like ripe cherries falling off a tree. 
Don't work that way. It takes some effort on our part to possess what God. God said to that Old Testament church, you can have the land, but you've got to go and do some, something. I'll go with you, but you've got to do your part to believe me and trust me. And you know, some didn't do it. They come out of Egypt but never got into the promised land. Many Christians come out of Egypt, they get saved, but they don't do what it takes to really press into that abundant life, that overcoming life, and to enjoy the things of God. They spend their life kind of going in circles. They're saved, and God in His grace gives them manna and takes care of them, but they never get to enter in, and God has so much more for them. But if you want the so much more that God wants to give you, there's something that you and I have to do on our end of the thing. We've got to believe the Word, we've got to obey the Word, and we've got to press forward in spiritual warfare until we possess the Word. Somebody say amen. And Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and what? And you will find. Knock and the door shall, shall be opened. Woo! What else does he say? For everyone that asketh, receive it. And to him who seeketh, find it. And to the one that knocks, the door will be opened. Hallelujah! Do I got verse 8 up there? Give them verse 8. They want to shout a little more. Oh, for everyone. Are you an everyone? Oh, someone says, I'm an everyone. I'm an everyone. Oh, I'm, I'm an everyone. Oh, every, everyone. We just an everyone. No, no, no. We're just an everyone. Everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Hallelujah. And you know, if you know me, you know I was not an English student, but I do enough reading on the side to make me look fairway smart. That, that is what they call the present tense, all those words. In the Greek, it's present tense. Ask and keep on asking. You see that? You seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. He's saying, no, no, if you want the receipt, you want to shout over the victory, you got to persevere until that victory comes. You got to pray and keep on praying. The Bible teaches there is spiritual resistance and opposition. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. Principalities, powers, and dominions. There are spirits that don't want your marriage blessed. There are spirits that will try to hinder your child from getting truly saved. There are spirits that are going to try to keep you from that promise, but you got to recognize you got some weapons from heaven and they're spiritual, they're divine and they're able to overcome they're able to defeat the enemy they're able to bring you into the winner's circle, come on say amen for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds so you can't just pray and say put me on the prayer line no, 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 no that's not good enough Thank God for the prayer line. But after they start praying, you get along with God. You get in that closet and you begin to pray. Father, your word says you are not a man that you shall lie. I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to bring it to pass. I come against every resistance of hell. This marriage will be blessed. This children will be blessed. This relationship will be blessed. I will be healed. I will live and not die and declare the praises of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. I don't know how to pray. Well, you pray the word. You don't need a whole lot of logic for this stuff. You know, oh, what a God we serve. Some people don't pray. They don't think they're articulate enough. Honey, he knows your groans. 
He knows the language of your tears. Mm, 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 mm. You, you can sigh in his presence. And the Lord hears the sigh. I'm telling you. And, and let's not forget the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Woo! There is a wonderful privilege we have as being full gospel men and women. That when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit will pray in us and through us. Oh, we can pray in the Spirit. Sometimes you don't know how to pray for a person. Isn't that right? You don't know how to pray for a situation. Father, I lift up my child. I lift up my uncle. I lift up this. And I don't know how to pray, Lord. It's so confusing. But God, you're more than able to fix it. You're more than able to break through. I just lift up. And you pray. And you pray. And you pray. And you ask. And you keep on asking. You knock. You keep on knocking. You seek. You seek. You seek. Paul said, pray without ceasing. You going to finish? You going to be a finisher? You got to be a prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You going to finish. An attitude of joy. Attitude of joy. Not because we don't weep and not because we don't go through battles. But we know in whom we have believed in. We know what the future holds. We have read the end of the book. And we are possessed by the Spirit of God that gives us a joy. We're going to pray and believe God. We're going to pray and keep on praying. We're going to ask God. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus taught that perseverance in prayer, persistence in prayer, is an ingredient that cannot be left out of our lives if we want God's best. And often when we see the studies when Jesus teaches on prayer, he uses the word persistence. And that word persistence, it speaks, it conveys the idea of urgency and audacity and earnestness and boldness and relentlessness. You've got to have some tenacity if you want to see answers to prayer. Amen? The yeah, devil says, I'll wear you out. You let him know we don't wear out, devil. Oh, we're made out of better stuff. Amen? Oh, we're made out of better stuff. Uh-uh. That same spirit raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in here. Amen. That old Joe is dead. This is a new creation. Amen. This new creation. He don't give up. He presses on until that answer comes. In fact, you remember we said earlier, I quoted Luke 8 and verse 1, Luke 18 and verse 1, where Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not give up and not faint. And then he went on to tell a story, a parable, to explain that verse to, to his disciples and to the audience. And the jest is called the, the parable of the persistent widow. And the jest of it is a widow kept coming to an unjust judge until finally he made sure she got justice. But it helps understand the context. These judges didn't go to a courthouse. They had a tent, a mobile tent that went from place to place. And they would solve problems. But they were notorious for being unethical. I mean, if you, didn't, if you didn't grease a few palms, you weren't going to get anything done. It's just the way the culture worked. And if you understand, again, the culture, the widow was probably in the most vulnerable and weakened place in that society. Women in general weren't, and certainly a widow. She had no husband to represent her. She didn't have money to bribe. She had no son to plead her cause. She had no pull. All she had was her willingness not to give up. And her ability to hang on until an answer came. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. She, she refused to quit, but kept coming and coming, crying out. She kept calling his name. She kept relentlessly approaching and asking. 
No resource in the natural. No, no, no recourse, no resource to help her. But all she had, I love that. Because we all have this. All she had is her ability to hang on and refuse to give up. The ability to persevere and press in and plead her case and refuse to be denied. And friend, that's the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for in all of us. A faith that refuses to let go. A faith that refuses to give up. In fact, at the end of that story, Jesus asks this question. It's interesting. He tells the story. Then he says, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Faith like this woman is distributing, is exampling. A faith that presses in. A faith that won't give up. A faith that keeps coming. Remember, he's talking about men ought always to pray and not faint and not give up. But keep pressing and keep believing and keep being relentless. Hey, if an unjust judge will answer, how much more a good, gracious, heavenly father. If an unjust judge that was mean and didn't care about people, how if he answered, how much more a loving heavenly father that's invited to seek me and you can find me. Call on me and I'll answer you. So the Lord looks for a faith that refuses to let go and give up but instead hangs on and believes on and presses on praying, calling, crying out until God give us such faith. And a little sidebar. Older generation, we pray for a lot of things. As I meditated and thought about this message, Let us pray that God will raise up a fresh generation of prayer warriors because I think the younger generation doesn't have so much. We've got a lot of concert goers and we've got a lot of, you know, yeah, yeah, well, come on. We need a generation that again knows how to pray. I don't mean five minutes, knows how to close that door and go away for hours praying and seeing breakthroughs. I think we pray for this next generation, Lord. Pray up, men and women, that have a burden for prayer. Have a real burden to pray because we need that coming. Paul has stressed to this young church things that he, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, deems very important if they're going to finish strong. He wants them to finish strong. God wants us to finish strong. First one is be joyful, rejoice. It's easy in this world to get uptight, cranky, and bitter. This, this world is not easy. It's not always fair. And if we allow that to consume us, it'll make us a negative people instead of a triumphant people. It'll give us easier to give up instead of press on and believe. So, so keep your joy. It's, it'll strengthen you. It'll lift you up. Amen? Again, a strength. What I know and what I have. You have the Spirit of God within you. Amen? You know that your God reigns. And you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. But also, he says, you got to pray without ceasing. Prayer has to be something we do continually. Prayer is a key to victory, not just something we do in the 911 moments of life. Be committed and devoted to faithful prayer. Pray until. And then, lastly, as we close it down, verse 18, this last key to finishing strong. Verse 18 In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, I like that. An attitude of gratitude that gives us the outlook of faith and the elevation, the elevation of an overcomer. Oh, man. You know, again, two two, um, 
to overcome and to opposed to the uptightness that we see around us, the angry complaining of the world. The people of God should be a grateful, thankful people. The Bible says one of the ways we approach God, enter his gates with, in his courts with. And sometimes people say, I can't seem to get a hold of God. Have you been thanking him enough? Did you start out with thankfulness or complaining, right? Are you cranktified or sanctified? Hey, amen. And, and, but thankfulness. And Paul, Paul's giving, see, Paul's giving him an answer. These are young Christians. They want to be saved months and months. And Paul's saying, listen, here's the key. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give me a thankful person. Be a grateful person. No, life's not always easy. Life's not fair. But God's still good and God's still in control. And you're still going to heaven one day. In fact, how does the Bible say? Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Oh, my goodness. Do anyone know the next line? I love the next line. Psalm 107, that was verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his mercy endureth. Next line, next line. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Anyone here been redeemed from the hand of the enemy? Anyone know what it is to be lost, but now you're found? You were bound, but now you're free? Because Jesus rescued you, and Jesus redeemed you. He said, well, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. But they just called you ugly. But the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Doctor, give you a bad report. But the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And Mr. Doctor, Jesus got the last say on that matter. Amen. I belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. I signed over my life many, many moons ago. Amen. Not my own. Been bought with a price. He gets, he owns me. So he gets the last say in anything dealing with me. Isn't that right? The key to be a finisher, an attitude of gratitude, practice being grateful, not critical or complaining. Learning to acknowledge God's goodness and express your thankfulness. This should characterize the people of God. Amen. You know, that's why us crazy Pentecostals like to sing so much. We got something to sing about. Amen. When they come to some of them churches, don't preach no gospel, well, of course it's dead. There's nothing to sing about. I got something to sing about. Amen. Oh, brother, I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm just telling you, man. I was a mess, and Jesus turned it all around. I got something to sing about. Woo, I can give you some testimonies. God's come through for me. God's bailed me. God's healed me. God's defended me. God's turned things around. My God's a good God. I don't know about anyone else. Good news. We that know and love the Lord, we've got so much to be thankful for. And this attitude... Why is this so important? Let me give you three quick ones. Number one, it will protect us. Being thankful protects us. The Bible says give no place to the devil. And the Bible talks about one of the ways, the imagery, the enemy attacks us, the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen? And he'll try to get you to get ugly and complain and, and murmur, whatever it is. But when I just keep giving God thanks, it acts like a shield. It really does ward off those things. It keeps, give the devil no place. And when you're staying thankful, you're shutting that door on him. Amen? 
I'm not getting over into that area. I'm not getting into that. I used to live like that. I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm going to give God thanks. Amen? And you know, I'm going to give him thanks before he comes through, because he always comes through, so I might as well beat the rush. I'll beat the Christmas rush. I'm going to give him thanks now. Amen? It protects us. You know what else it does? A thankful attitude. Recognizing the goodness of God and expressing our thankfulness for the goodness of God. It, it not only protects me, it purifies me. Again, you know the Bible says in Proverbs, to guard your heart. And one of the things, the old nature, not so much the devil, but that old nature, I don't know about you, uh, my old nature likes to complain. My old nature likes to grumble if I let him. Amen? I know you're all walking on the water, but I got some issues, brother. I'm I, I not walking on nothing. Amen? I know that old Joe, I grew up in a generation of Italians. We complain. We get angry over anything. Amen? Well, you name it. I mean, they just, I get angry. I mean, you can fill the water bucket right. I got to give you a lecture and get mad. And I mean, they just, it's crazy. I don't know. But it's there. It's there. I got that old nature. Amen? I can't get away. It is what it is, right? All I can do is crucify it, do my best not to feed it, and try to walk in the Spirit so I don't fulfill that ugly man. Amen? So one of the things that being thankful does, it, it purifies me. From bitterness, ugliness, envy, jealousy. All those things, they'll try to contaminate me. Well, how do you guard your heart? Stay thankful. Instead of getting jealous because someone's, you know, better at this or someone's got more blessed than that, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in me. I thank you, Lord. Amen. You see what I'm getting at? And so it protects us, thankfulness. It purifies us. And Paul had to teach them this. He knew... Living for Jesus in the Roman Empire is not an easy thing. They weren't getting a lot of support along the way. They had to learn these keys if they were going to finish. Amen? This is not how you start. They did start good. Thank God for that. But a lot of people start good. A lot of people start with an amazing encounter with God, and then you look for them 20 years later, and he's trying to give them keys. So it protects me. It purifies me. You know what else it tends to do? Attitude of gratitude. It elevates me. Elevates me. It elevates me by drawing God near and by lifting me up. Sometimes you got to find a crosswind in life. I was reading a story some time ago. You know, some of these multimillionaire billionaires—they got more money than they know what to do with, and they got nothing better to do. So they like to do these, um, um, you take on challenges and stuff. They go exploring. And one guy late in the '90s—he wanted to be the first one to go around the world in a balloon. True story. Late '90s. I forget his name, but, you know, a well-known billionaire. And he tried it, and the first time he didn't make it, but he got farther than anyone else. But he ran into a problem. He got across the Atlantic. But then, as he was going, somehow or another, he got pushed um, the winds. But sometimes the winds of circumstances try to push you where you don't want to go. Attitude of gratitude can elevate you and find a crosswind. But that's, let me get ahead of my story here. And the wind, you know where the wind was taking him? Over Libya. Remember crazy Gaddafi was, I mean, remember back then? Yeah, in that case, he's in hell now. But anyway, um, he's in hell now with the rest of them. Might as well put him where he's at. Yeah. And he didn't have any permission to go over Libya. So he gets over Libya, they can shoot him down. Uh, you know, all your billions aren't going to do any good if they start wanting to cheat you down and you in a big red balloon saying, here I am. That's a pretty good target, I think. And, you know, you can't steer those things. But what you can do is this. You can go up. You can go down. 
You can put a little more fire in that thing, and it elevates. A little less, you go down. And so what you got to do is you got to get out of that present wind and find a cross current that's going to take it in another direction. Sometimes the winds of our circumstances, we think they're controlling us, but no, 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 no. When we have the right attitude and right response to them, we can be elevated above them. We can find a crosswind going somewhere else. We don't have to be controlled and just driven along. We can find in God a higher place and a better place. And it starts as we acknowledge him, and honor him, and thank him. Because when we do thank the Lord, it tends to bring a greater measure of God's presence into my life. And that presence, it just carries me. It takes me. It changes me. Last verse. Here it is. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Again, Paul's writing this from prison. Amen? He says, be anxious for nothing. So the context is you might be facing something that has the potential to make you anxious and worried. Don't be anxious about anything. He says things in life will have the power in the natural to make you worry, to get anxious. Isn't that right? Amen? I mean, I read the prayer requests. I'm saying, but there's things in this world that in the natural can make you anxious or worrisome. But Paul says, listen, don't be anxious. But here's a key. I'm giving you a key. But in every situation, by prayer, we talked about that earlier, didn't we? And petition, but oh, with, with what? He says, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. And, and when we choose to give God praise and thank him, even though it's a place where the winds can want to make us anxious and the winds want to make us frustrated and the winds of those circumstances want to get us angry, he says, if you'll reject that, but instead you'll pray and you'll give God thanks. Give God your request, but thank him, thank him, be thankful. Be thankful, amen? Express your attitude of gratitude. If you'll do that, look at this promise. Look at this beautiful promise. And the peace of God, which, what is it? Transcends. That means it's beyond it. It's divine in origin and in operation. Can you say amen? It's not of this world. I know it doesn't make sense. We're talking about something from God. This is supernatural. This is God. God says, if you obey my word, I'll bless you with the blessing of my word. He says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In the midst of that stream that has the potential to make you anxious, and fretful and frustrated. God says, if you'll follow these ingredients, I'll draw near to you with a special dispensation of my grace, and I'll stand by your heart like a mighty Roman soldier, and I will guard your heart, and I will guard your mind. And you might go through it, but it won't overwhelm you, it won't overtake you, and you'll go through it keeping your peace, keeping your joy, keeping your love, keeping away from the bitterness and complainings of men that don't know God. Oh, Paul's giving this young church some beautiful instructions on how to finish strong. And God wants us to hear them. As we close, we're going to do this. Obviously, if you're here today and you don't know if you're right with God, if you've never received Jesus, if you don't know if you're going to heaven or not, don't leave until you know that you know. In a little while, we're going to sing the final song, pray the prayers. The altar will be open, come, and someone will stand with you and pray with you and talk with you. If for some reason you've drifted and you need to make a fresh start, well, here's your opportunity. Say, Lord, I want to finish strong.
I had encounters with you as a teenager. I had some glorious encounters with you as a young man or woman, but somewhere along the way, things got a little cool, things got a little slow. And I want to finish strong, Lord. I want to get on fire, put my hand to the plow, finish strong. So you're here today and you're not sure about those things, call on the Lord. Come down, let's go pray with you. Or at least from your altar, make an altar out of your seat. Now, if you need prayer for physical healing, then just come and stand. God will touch you. We'll believe God will do a special work in you. For the rest of us, I don't know about you, but God's been good to me. Amen? Even when I wasn't trying to live for him, God's been good to me. So can we just end by singing some songs of thanks and praise before we go? We can just close this just by saying, Lord, I want to thank you. Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances. This is an easy circumstance to give thanks. Amen? You're surrounded by the brethren. You're here with the wonderful music. Let's just take a minute or two before we go. And say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I wouldn't be here today without your goodness. I wouldn't be sane today without your goodness. I wouldn't have everything I had without your goodness. Amen? Stand with me, please, as we close. Come on, stand with me. And let's just give God a thanks from the depths of our heart as we sing this final song. And Oh, Lord. And I pray if things aren't right, come and make them right. God's a good God.